Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. The Book of Psalms is a book of poetry, prayers, and songs that people wrote to God, prayed to God, and even used to lead others in the worship of God. The Psalms give us insight into what a relationship with God looks like and examples of how we can pour out our joys, fears, and our heart's desires to God. Join us weekly as we spend the summer in Psalms. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome you to Valley Brook today. Whether you're here in the building or online, we're excited about today. It's going to be a fun day. Later on today, after the service, we invite you to stay around for a picnic. We're going to have some uh, in the house. We're going to have some burgers and hot dogs and just uh, enjoy connecting with one another. We're in the middle of this series called Summer in the Psalms, and, uh, you know, this week I was thinking about balloons, as you may have noticed, and, and uh, you know, balloons uh, can be a lot of fun, you know, uh, and really, there's a couple of ways that balloons can be fun and to play with. I mean, one of the things we can do is we can blow them up, so let's see how well I can do this. We can, bl- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you, I, uh, I, I practiced hard this week. I mean, so there's one way we can play with this. You know, we can, we can bat it around like this. We can just hit it up in the air. Or we can do it the easy way. We can fill it with helium. And, uh, you know, really, when it's filled with helium, there's really no limit to the heights it can soar. There's no, there's no limits to how, uh, what you can do with that as far as keeping it in the air. In fact, if it's not tied down, you're going to lose it. So, uh, you know, and, and as I was uh, thinking about this this week, you know, I was thinking that, you know, there's a similarity between balloons and between living the Christian life. You know, some people see being a Christian like a balloon that they've inflated by working really hard to blow it up. And, and to keep it in the air, they always have to hit it around and smack it to go wherever they want it to go. So, you know, think about it this way, you know. Uh, you feel like that in this religious kind of view, you've got to do that, smack to, do, to go that way, or don't do that to go that way, or to do this, or take care of that, watch out for that. And, and people think that's what a religious life is like. But, you know, the, the reality is, is that... Um, there's a totally different way to keep that balloon afloat. And uh, there's a totally different way for us to live the Christian life. And it's not based on doing things or not doing things. It's actually about following Jesus as we let him fill us with his spirit. You know, the reality is this. God doesn't want something from you. God wants something for you. He wants something for you. God doesn't want you running around trying to, to do good deeds here and good deeds there and not do them there and, or do them everywhere. God wants you not to be running around exhausting yourself trying to do those good deeds. He wants to give you his spirit to fill you. He wants to give you the spirit. And all he says to you is say yes to the spirit And and the reality is, when we do that, yes, we actually will do good deeds, but not based on our, our own work, but based on what it means to follow Jesus as we're empowered by the Spirit. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we're walking through this series Summer in the Psalms, and, and, you know, as I was looking at Psalm 84 for today's message, you know, this illustration about 
following Jesus filled with the Spirit just became very clear to me from this passage. And so if you've got Bibles or your phone app, turn to Psalm 84. We're going to look at this. And the first thing that I want you to do or to think about is this, the, is that we have to focus our life on the Lord. Focus our life on the Lord. So let's, let's read the first four verses from Psalm 84. The psalmist writes, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So you know, while the language of the writer of this psalm seems to be focused on the structure of the house of the Lord, uh, we need to understand the context that this writer lived in. You know, for, for Israel, the presence of God was associated with the physical location where they went to worship God. Now, when Israel was wandering in the desert, they actually had a, a uh, a mobile house for the Lord. It was called the tabernacle. It was a huge tent. It was where people went to worship the Lord. It was where they went to bring their offerings and their sacrifices. And it housed the Ten Commandments and the, uh, and the Ark of the Covenant. But when Solomon came along, he built a temple made of stone in Jerusalem. But again, the same thing was, was true for, for an Israelite. They associated the presence of God with the temple. Not that you had to have that temple, but that was where they went to worship God. That's where the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments were kept. That, that's where they took their offerings. And, and so that's what they associated it with. It, But it wasn't that you had to be there to be in the presence of God. That's just where they always associated the presence of the Lord God makes the place where he dwells a, a lovely place. And, and in the psalmist's mind, that was where God was and where he dwells. And so it was the same thing for them. And that's why the psalmist can say, my soul yearns, even faints. Just to be in the courts of the, yord, uh, of, of the Lord, not even in the temple. So what does that mean for us and now in uh, 2021? What does that mean for us? Does that mean we need to be in a church or a temple to be near to God? Well, of course it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, you know, while those, while those buildings can feel sacred and holy to us because that's where we go to worship God in those places, and maybe that's where we have done some significant things where we've experienced the presence of God like take steps of faith, come to faith in Christ, pray to receive him, confess our sins, feel a sense of forgiveness. Maybe we've experienced healing in our body or our mind or our soul. Maybe we've dedicated kids there or we've been baptized there. Maybe we've uh, made vows for weddings there, those kinds of things. And we sense that that's a special place. And the presence is of God. We, we associate with being there. Why? Because when we had those significant steps of faith, we did experience the presence of God. You know, I, I think about this in my, in my own walk. 
You know, when Cynthia and I were in college, there was a little church right next to campus where we would go and pray often, and that was special to us. The, the church where Cynthia and I were married and where I was ordained to be a pastor is a special building in my mind. There's a, there's a little country church back in Minnesota where I spent a lot of time praying and listening to God about what he had put on my heart that has actually become Valley Brook Community Church. And then in that same, near that same location is the church that I pastored where Cynthia and I one, one evening went down to the church and we just knelt on our knees in the front of that church and we just prayed, just the two of us. And we said, God, we sense you're doing something new in our life and we'll go wherever you want us to go and we'll do whatever you want us to do. And then there's this building. I mean, in this place, we have seen people come to faith. We have seen people be healed. We have seen prayers be answered. We've seen children dedicated. We've seen people make commitments to, to live together in marriage. We have seen amazing things where God has brought healing and faith and life into people. And it's also been a place where, where we have said goodbye to loved ones as we celebrated their lives. And, and it's not the places. It's the presence it's the presence of God, the presence of God who has worked in our lives as we've seen people take steps of faith, as we've commissioned missionaries or people into ministry, as we've seen people do significant things for God and take steps of faith. It's important and powerful. But again, the point is not the place. The point is the presence of God. You see, God's not limited to a certain place or a certain building. God is with us wherever we go through the Spirit. What makes the difference is when we focus on the fact that God is with us and let him work in our lives. Maybe you're like me. I've had powerful experiences with God in many places. I've had that in hospital rooms. I've had that hiking in the woods. I've had that around the dinner table with other followers of Jesus. I've had it even paddleboarding on a lake and in other places. Again, it's not about the place. It's about the presence of God. And that requires that we focus on the Lord rather than on the other things that are going on in our lives. Look, I promise you that if you spend some time focusing on the Lord here this morning or, or sometime later today, I promise you that wherever you got, are, God will meet you there and you will sense his presence. Now, some of you are wondering, well, how can you make that promise? Others of you know how I can make that promise. You know because you know that God is ever-present. God is everywhere, and God wants to connect with all of us if we would just seek his presence and acknowledge it. The second reason I can make that promise is because this. If you've decided to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then the Bible tells us very clearly that when we accepted Christ as our Lord, accepted his forgiveness for our sins and, and repented and started following him, that, that God poured out his Holy Spirit into each of our lives. And that spirit is the spirit of God who dwells with us, who lives with us each and every day if we acknowledge it. And he's there to be our teacher, to be our guide, even to comfort us in this life. So focus on the Lord and ask him to be present with you. Stop working so hard to, to keep your faith afloat and let the Spirit of God fill you and focus you on the presence of God. Now, turning back to Psalm 84, 
The next thing that the psalmist tells us to do is to find our strength in the Lord. So let's read verses 5 through 8. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. So here, the psalmist reminds us that our strength is in the Lord. And he writes, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, this pilgrimage is not a trip to a specific holy location. This pilgrimage is the trip to the presence of God whenever and wherever we seek him. Our lives really need to be a daily pilgrimage into the presence of God. From there, the psalmist talks about the ups and the downs of pursuing the presence of God as we go through the ups and downs of life. And there's this strange phrase in verse 6. It's a metaphor, a metaphor that's found nowhere else in the Bible. The psalmist talks about passing through the valley of Baca. What is the valley of Baca? Well, there is no real place called the Valley of Baca. Baca is a Hebrew word for balsam tree, and it's these particular trees that are indigenous to the Middle East. And here's something unique about them. They, they have sap that oozes out of the tree and runs down the trunk where it hardens. And as that sap oozes and runs down the trees, it forms a droplet that often looks like a, a tear going down our face. So the valley of Baca is a valley of tears. It's that time and place in life that's hard, that's difficult, that's challenging, even as we're pursuing the presence of God. Pastor Warren Wearsby writes, the Valley of Baca is a name for any difficult and painful place in life where everything seems hopeless and you feel helpless like the pit of despair. But he goes on and he says, the people who love God actually expect to pass through the valleys, the valleys of Baca, but not remain there. And in fact, they get a blessing from the experience and they leave a blessing behind. Now, the psalmist goes on and says, you know, these pilgrims who have gone through the Valley of Baca say, it, say that they make it a place of springs and the autumn rains covered in pools of water. What's this about? In an arid and dry land, water is always a symbol for blessing. And so the, the psalmist is telling us that the pilgrims who go through the valley actually make it a place of springs. In other words, that they go through the tough times and they discover that as they lean on God, they're blessed by his presence. Now, some of you are going, what is the blessing of going through difficult, painful times? What's in those places where we find the blessings of God's presence more than at any other time. You know, it's one thing to sense God's presence in the good days when everything is going well, but it's totally different to be going through a deep, dark valley and sense the presence of God B 
being with you as you travel through your valley of Baca, knowing that he's there, crying out to him to to help you and, and save you. I look back on my own life and uh, when I've gone through those dark days, when I was overwhelmed and I didn't know how I would get through them, I remember those days and those times with God more intensely and more memorable than the good times. Those are the days when I knew that my strength didn't come from me, but it came from God as I cried out to him and and trusted him. And during those days, when things were going well, I felt strong in my own strength. But during those dark, hard days, I felt the strength of God. Sometimes if it was just to, to take another breath. And so the psalmist says, it goes from strength to strength. It's not from my strength to my strength. Sometimes it's from God's strength in me to God's strength. Sometimes from my strength to God's strength. God is with us and he gives us strength. Through a variety of tragic circumstances, Becky Greer lost all four of her children. The grieving mother shared a testimony of how God's presence brought her comfort during this extremely dark and painful time, her Valley of Baca. And she had the following words printed on a card, and it, the words were over an embossed picture of a lily. And this is the story that she shared. Mom, when the blooms die, plant it outside. That's exactly what the lady at the florist said to do, and it'll come back next year, exclaimed my nine-year-old daughter, Cammie, as she proudly presented with a beautiful, me with a beautiful potted stargazer lily for Mother's Day. I told Cammie I didn't believe the lily would come back, but Mom, the lady said it would. So when the blooms faded and died, Cammie kept reminding me to plant the lily outside, I kept putting it off by saying I just didn't believe the lily would come back. But, but Cammie persisted and she insisted until I finally relented. And together we went outside to plant the lily in the backyard. Winter came and the lily died. Cammie and her two brothers also died that winter. And my world became totally dark. The following spring... When the lily sprouted, it grew tall and strong and produced 27 fragrant pink blooms. And I became filled with inexpressible joy. Joy in the midst of my darkness. How could that be? Without my children, I believed I could never feel joy or happiness again. What a beautiful gift. Cammie, an innocent child, had no trouble believing that the lily would live again. Jesus said we're to have the faith of a child. God can resurrect even those things which we believe can't be resurrected. I didn't believe the lily would survive the darkness of winter, and I didn't believe I could survive the darkness of my grief and suffering after losing all four of my children. But God was working on the lily in the darkness of the earth. 
And God was working on me in the darkness of my grief. I just didn't know it. And I've learned just because we don't always know and experience God's presence doesn't mean that he's not there. He is. You know, Becky went through unfathomable loss, and, and yet in that deep, dark valley, God met her, and she found his presence, and he gave her the strength she needed to carry on. When we let the Holy Spirit fill us, the Spirit will help us keep our focus on the Lord, and the Spirit will help us find strength in the Lord because he is the Spirit of God, and God wants that for us. And the Spirit will also do something else. The Spirit will continually prompt us to put our trust in the Lord. Let's look at the last four verses of Psalm 84. Look on your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So the, the section starts off with this prayer for our shield and for our anointed one. What's going on here with the psalmist is actually... Praying a prayer for Israel's king, asking that, that uh, God would protect him. He's referred to as the shield and the anointed one. And, and why does he do this? Because the psalmist knows that the future of the promised Messiah will come through the line of King David. And so this is a prayer of hope and a prayer of trust that, that this would be fulfilled. And then the psalmist goes on and he says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And then he goes on and says, in fact, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. It's a statement of trust in God saying that no matter what happens in life, he would rather be in the presence of God. The psalmist doesn't aspire to great fame and fortune, the, the psalmist just says, I, I just as soon be the doorman at the house of the Lord. By saying that the Lord is a sun, the psalmist is saying that like the sun in the sky is the source of life on earth, so God is our source of life. He's our shield. He protects us. So the psalmist is building a case that Every good thing comes from God and that God can be trusted for all things, no matter what. In his book, If God is Good, Faith in the Midst of Suffering and Evil, author Randy Alcorn recalls when his friend, Ethel Hare, had a double mastectomy. Two weeks later, doctors discovered that the cancer had spread, and one of Hare's friends, shocked and fumbling for words, asked her, and how do you feel about God now? Reflecting on that moment the question was posed to her, Hare said, as I sought to explain what has happened in my spirit, it all became clearer to me. 
God has been preparing me for this moment. He has undergirded me in ways I've never known before. He has made himself increasingly real and precious to me. He has given me joy such as I have never known before. And I have no need to work at it. It just comes even amidst the tears. He has taught me that no matter how good my genes are or how well I take care of myself, he will lead me on whatever journey he chooses and will never leave me for a moment of that journey. And he planned it all in such a way that step by step, he prepared me for the moment when the doctor dropped the last shoe. God is good. No matter what the diagnosis or the prognosis or the fearfulness of the uncertainty of having neither, the key is knowing, God is to, knowing that God is good is to simply trust him. When we're filled with God's spirit, we can trust him when we're receiving good news and when we're receiving bad news. Trusting God is so important. When you decide to believe in Jesus, he gives you his spirit and the spirit will help you follow and trust God. But I want you to know this, the spirit is gentle. The spirit's not gonna take over your life and do things that you don't want to do, make you do things you don't wanna do. You're still firmly in control. And just as you can trust God, you can trust his spirit's guidance. Now, look, I started off this message talking about a balloon filled with helium and one just filled with my breath. Um, you know, there are no perfect illustrations about God because, you know, eventually the helium in this balloon is going to dissipate and it's going to sink to the floor. But that's okay. Because God isn't the illustration. The illustration can't even compare to God. The reality is, is that the spirit of God is present with us and he never dissipates. Oh, yes, we can refuse to follow the spirit's guidance by not focusing on the Lord. You and I are given that free choice by a God who loves us so much. He doesn't want us to be robots. He would actually like us to choose to love him and to follow him and to trust him and let his spirit guide him. And oh yes, we can refuse to follow the, uh, the spirit's guidance by living in our own strength instead of trusting in the strength of the Lord. And we can actually quench the fire of the spirit by not trusting the Lord for all of those choices. But the Bible tells us this, and it's a truth that we have to recognize, that when we decide to follow Jesus, we're given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee of the promise that we are all saved for eternity if we've trusted in Jesus for our eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins. And when he gives us the Spirit, the Spirit is given to us to be our, yes, our teacher, our guide, and our comforter. And with the Spirit, we can focus on living with the Lord. And with the Spirit, he will strengthen us and help us trust God no matter what. But just like the psalmist had to make those decisions to focus on the Lord, to find strength in the Lord, and to trust in the Lord, each of us will have to do the same thing regularly. Often, daily, whatever it takes. So what should you do? You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, but, but you've not been living this way that, that we've talked about from Psalm 84, then this is what I would encourage you to do. Ask 
God to pour out his spirit on you afresh. He's there. Ask him to come into your life and renew your faith and your desire to follow him and trust his guidance. Again, the Holy Spirit of God is gentle and the Spirit will not force you to do anything you don't want to do. But you do need to invite him in. And then you need to decide to follow him. Now, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, never decided to become a believer of Jesus and you want to do that today, when you do, God's going to pour out the Holy Spirit into you. And again, nothing weird's going to happen to you. I mean, the Spirit's been active and alive around you all the time. But the Holy Spirit will renew your faith and your strength and your trust and help you follow him. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and I'm going to invite the rest of us to go into a time of prayer. And in this time of prayer, I'm going to invite anybody who's never put their trust in Jesus to do so today. But I'm also going to pray for all of us to renew our faithfulness and our obedience to God by trusting his spirit to guide us and to fill us each and every day. So I invite you to bow your heads. Lord, as we have come into this place today and we've talked about the fact that you desire for us to to walk with you and focus on you and walk in your strength and trust you, I pray for anybody who is ready to decide to do that today. And if that's you, I'm just going to give you some phrases that you can pray back to God silently in your own words. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe that Jesus came and died and rose again from the dead. I believe that he died to pay for my sins. And so now I repent of my sinfulness. And now today, in faith, I desire to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And we'll say amen to that prayer. But in a continuation of prayer, Lord, I pray for each one of us. Lord, that we would understand that you have given us your spirit and the spirit wants to help us live for you and to be faithful to you and be uh, fully faithful followers. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in each one of us to, to not hold your spirit at a distance, but welcome the spirit and trust the spirit's guidance to help us focus on you and to find strength in you and to trust you each and every day in all circumstances. Lord, help our our lives be filled with the evidence of our faithful following you through the filling of your spirit. And let us share that with all people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.